Welcome to Cow Talks. I'm Chris Pravat. And I am Marcelo Valau, Forage Extension Specialist with the University of Florida. And this is our podcast, where we dive deep into the main topics affecting livestock and forage production in the southeastern United States. From the mainstream media to new technologies straight from our research stations. From cattle prices to international trade. From our pastures and beyond. Join us on this journey as we tackle the main issues affecting our producers and the sustainability of our production systems. So my name is Cheryl Makoviak. I'm an associate professor in the Soils, Water, and Ecosystem Services uh, Department, and I'm physically located at the North Florida Research and Education Center at Quincy, uh, about a half an hour west of Tallahassee. Awesome. Cheryl, thanks for joining us today here. A couple of weeks ago, we are out together at the Forge Workers Tour. And uh, I want to paraphrase you because you summarized the, the Forge Workers Tour quite well. So the Forage Workers Tour was, um, was held in Mariana this year, and uh, it was created back in the days to bring county extension and state specialists together from all across the state to discuss what is happening in forage systems to network and to find common ground for the future research and extension efforts. And you mentioned here that above all is to keep forage livestock production thriving in Florida. It's a big task, and we have a fantastic group that's working on that. You were responsible for bringing us updates on the soil and plant aspects of the forage extension and research work. Do you want to tell us what's new and what our colleagues have been doing in that regard? Sure. We've got colleagues down as far south as Ona. Uh, it's down by Sebring area. And we move on up and we've got folks in Immokalee. Uh, of course, we've got them at their main campus in Gainesville, and then in the Panhandle as well, um, both Quincy and Mariana, and then West Florida in Milton. So we cover the whole state, and it was quite a task trying to get information from all these different locations and people, but it was a lot of fun too. And um, if you want, I can go over a couple of highlights of what people are working on. Sure, give us some, uh, some of the, the most interesting updates Okay, so well, one thing that's really in its infancy is some of the mycotoxin and uh, endophyte work. Uh, Dr. Sunny Liao, who's located here at Quincy, she's a soil microbiologist, and she's looking at um, what kind of fungal organisms that um, have an association with uh, our forages, and some of those are good and some of them are not so good. The ones that are not so good can uh, produce at times under certain conditions, what we call mycotoxins. So if you think of aflatoxin and corn, some people are familiar with that, um, can be a real problem for people. Well, there's also some that could be problems for uh, livestock as well, xerolinone and fumonacin and, and some of these others. So Right now, they're at the stage where they're trying to find out, is there a real issue or not? And, and if so, under what conditions could that be a problem? And so she's working with a bunch of different uh, extension agents across the state and other um, colleagues, researchers as well. So that's one area. And she is working on a lab that will um, still get samples from some of the county agents over time. And, and eventually, we hope it to be a, a a diagnostic lab open to the public, but that's gonna be a few years. Another area is um, 
looking at incorporating more legumes into systems. And, and I think you'll talk to some of the other forage managers on that, but it also has a great impact on our soils in terms of carbon and nutrient cycling. We've got our um, colleague down in Ona, Dr. Maria Silvera, and she's doing a lot of work with uh, the, the system in soil carbon um, stocks or sequestration. And that ties into some of the carbon credits that some of the uh, ranchers would love to be able to get um, involved with to, to help compensate for the cost of doing ranching in our state. And of course, if you build carbon, you have um, improved soil moisture holding ability and nutrient cycling ability. So it's a good thing for the plant health as well and soil health. We've got folks, uh, Dr. Yang Lin, who's actually doing some more assessments. He's looking at soil health indicators, which indicators really uh, relate to soil health and which ones are probably not as important. So he's looking at biological indicators, physical indicators, and biological indicators, and um, looking at pastures, row crops, vegetable production, and so across the state and seeing how these um, differ or how where they're similar and what indicators, measurements can we do to help you better assess your soil, uh, soil health. And uh, I work more on fertility aspects and we've been looking at the depletion rate of some of our major nutrients over time in our pasture systems. And we do find leakages with um, the uh, depletion of potassium in particular with some of our fungal diseases. And when we have these disease outbreaks that lowers the quality of the forage and, and the growth as well. So we have these kinds of relationships that we're looking at more cl closely. We're finding that if we can deplete the phosphorus and Bahia systems a little bit, uh, we actually improve some of our uh, production and uh, suppress some of our weeds that actually like a lot of phosphorus to, to grow well. So that kills two birds with one stone. It's impressive how, how many different things we're working, both related to the actual production or that would be, let's call it direct impact and, and also related to the ecosystem services. Also, Vendramini mentioned, mentioned about the ecosystem services and how important that is, perhaps not in an immediate importance for the farmers nowadays, but as a, as a general need for, for, uh, for the society as a whole of the impact of farming and, and livestock production mm -hmm. in Florida. And uh, beyond that, the future perspectives of carbon credits and other marketing of ecosystem services. It's interesting how, how all this uh, ties up and how all the work being developed from down in South Florida all the way to, to the, the Western Panhandle ties in quite, quite well. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, if you really want to build soil carbon, ranching, Grazing livestock is one of the best ways that I've seen on the different ways of using land. Growing trees, that's also a good way, but you know, in terms of agriculture per se, I, you know, it's hard to beat a nice pasture that's well managed in terms of building carbon. And so those carbon credit programs, um, they're, they're showing if you do improvements on your land, you get some of those um, credits but we'd like to also expand it that if you are a good manager from the start, that you also get rewarded for being and doing good things. So uh, those that don't see that benefit yet in terms of credits for just being a good manager, hang in there because I think that will be coming along soon as well. Yep. Anything in soil takes, takes time, right? Exactly. <laughs> <It> takes hundreds <laughs> and thousands of years to build good soil. 
it only takes a, a decade or less to, to destroy it. So um, Correct. It's, it's part of a system. And I, um, a lot of people get very frustrated because they, they, they go ahead and plant legumes. They think it's going to solve all their problems. And then the first year or second year doesn't work well and people give up. While you are working on a systems perspective and persistence is an important thing, getting that system adapted and moving forward. Cheryl, what did you get most excited about our, our meeting and our visits there in Mariam? Uh, in terms of the meeting, I was excited that we had some new faculty that has not been involved with some of our um, meetings in the past. And so it was a lot of fun to get some perspectives. Dr. Emma Matcham was one in particular because she is interested in soils and does some soil mapping and, and has worked with uh, uh, producer level apps that they can use rather than going through a big company to, to get some of these um, apps that will help you manage your land on variable rate systems. Um, just having a lot of students was a lot of fun because they have a whole different perspective. Sometimes we get caught in our ways and we don't see from their eyes. And so it's nice to mix it up that way. Uh, the visits, actually, I, I had a lot of fun with those as well. And in particular, there was, I, met, I met a lot of people I didn't know before, a lot of the producers. To, that's one county over that I didn't even know. And uh, one in particular, after the event, actually took me to his place to see what he's doing with some of his oak fields. And so we had a good conversation there. And, and, and it's nice to know we have another good forage manager uh, doing what he does best. And so it was great to see what some of our other producers are doing in the area. That is great. Yeah, we had a fantastic visit. And I'm going to invite Doug Mayo to talk a little bit about a little bit more about the visits that we uh, that we we done during the forage workers tour and yep the students are an extremely important uh, part of what we do they are not only the ones doing a lot of the work in the field for our research but also are the next generation of forage workers so very excited to work with uh with all this group yeah it's great to bring them out to the real world it's great to be ourselves to get out to the real world but bringing along our students as well is really beneficial both in both ways because i think the producers really enjoy it as well Thank you for joining us on this Cow Talks podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you have any questions, ideas, follow-ups, or comments, please reach out to us through our email, forages at ifas.ufl.edu. That is forages at ifas.ufl.edu. Or find us on our social media, uf.forages on Instagram, uf.forage team on Facebook, or UFIFAS forages on YouTube.